Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. Happy Easter. It's good to see you guys this morning. Man, can we give a, a hand clap to the worship team? Man, you guys may be seated. Man, this is Resurrection Sunday. We have so much to celebrate today. Amen? Amen. So many things. I was just thinking about today and what it means. And, you know, resurrecting, meaning being raised from dead to life. We celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, Hari Pascha. And the, the reason this is the foundation for the Christian faith is because a dead Savior can't help you. Amen? Think about that. A dead Savior cannot help you. And Jesus, we know, has been risen. A dead Savior can't, can't forgive you of your sins. A dead Savior can't change your life. A dead Savior can't free you from the power of sin and death. A dead Savior can't give you a new life. A dead Savior can't offer you hope in this life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 through 20, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth. He said, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile you are still in your sins, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead. Man, that last verse, but Christ has indeed raised from the dead. Paul was even looking at this what, what would happen if what, the, if, if what the skeptics are saying is true? If Jesus hasn't risen, here's that we're to be pitied. There is no hope, but Christ has indeed risen from the dead. Your sins are forgiven. You have been given the power over sin. You have been given a new life. You can have hope in this life and beyond. Jesus is alive. Can we give Jesus a hand this morning? Wow. And, I, man, I'm just so excited about that, excited about the service, uh, the worship team. We clap for them. Can we clap for the media team and the sound and lights and, man, everyone that, that put this morning together? How about the whole dream team? Let's just clap for everyone. They do so much to make everything happen this morning. And, you know, for icy kids, our whole purpose on Sundays is that Sunday will become their favorite day of the week. We want, we want all the kids in the kids' department to, to love coming to church. And we hear testimonies all the time of, of children saying, hey, uh, when is Sunday? When can we go to IC Maidan? When, when is kids' church? We want it to be their favorite day of the week. And I'll be honest with you. I want this to be your favorite day of the week also. I have the same motto in here. I want it to be your favorite day of the week. I want, after service finishes on Sunday, I want you to be thinking, I can't wait to get back next week. Not just because the preaching is amazing. I'm just joking. But, 
the worship, the, the community, the friends, the family, the encouragement, all of it. I just think that, that it's so important. How many of you came in this morning and saw someone smiling? Anyone see? Even though it's early, you saw someone smiling. How many of you were greeted by someone smiling? It's so important. Doesn't it make you feel good? It makes me feel good if I see smiles and, and see someone greeting you. It makes you feel like you're welcome here. It makes you feel like someone is actually happy that you walk through the door, right? You hate to walk in and see a frown. Like, should I go back out? You know, is it me? You know, so you want to see, you know, where people welcoming you, happy that you came, excited that you're here. And it shows that people are happy to be there. I always think about that all the time, that, that church should be a place where people are refreshed. It should be a happy place. I think people should, should drive past our window and look in and see all the, the smiling faces, your faces. And some of them may even think, and they have, I need to be in there. And people have come. Because they see, like, man, people are excited to be in there, happy to be in there. It looks like a fun place. I need to be there. We can communicate so much without words. So much can be communicated. Your life is communicating something to the world every single day without the words that you speak. We communicate so much. I was thinking last week, maybe I could show this picture we took in the lobby. Pastor Jay was here last week. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Jay? Man, it was a fun time. After the 4 p.m. service, a few of us that were still here, we took a photo in the lobby. This is a normal photo, you know. Hey, let's take a picture together. We have to do that, right? And we, we did it. Everything was set up nice. Yadre had the camera set up. You know, if you know the lobby, on, the camera was in front of the glass. So we're smiling. We could see people driving past, coming into the mall. Then someone said, let's do a crazy face photo. Let's do a funny photo. I don't know if you're like me. Suddenly, it's like it just got intense. I'm like, now, now I got to be creative. Now I got to think. You know, I got the smile, but now, okay, now what am I going to do? I, there's pressure, and you only have a few minutes. Come on, Satu, do it. You got to be creative and pop up with something. Here's our our crazy face photo. Okay, this is all I could come up with. And. And I see some crazy faces, but then, then I looked at this photo, and I'm like, what's Nemo doing? <laughs> he just kept looking good and cool, but, you know, I looked out of the glass while I was making that face, standing there like this, I see cars passing. <laughs> and I had that thought again, what are we communicating, you know? <laughs> people that are driving by and look in and see this crazy group of people, what were they saying? Yeah, I don't know if they were saying, I need to be there. Some crazy people were driving by like, I need to be, in, you know. But some people, I think, were probably saying, drive faster. Drive faster. <laughs> Get away from here. We communicate things without even using words. How many of you were a part of Easter Fun Day on Friday? Man, could you guys give yourselves a hand for that? Man, it was communicating without words. The whole point of Easter Funday is for our church to tell our city and our community, we love you. We care about your families. We care about the children. Without words, we were able to speak that. And we've heard testimonies. So many people were, were touched by this. So many families, people that, that aren't even Christian were like, man, this, this meant so much. We had testimonies from people who said, hey, we're not Christians, but my kids have been looking forward to this since last year. That's communicating something. That's communicating 
the right message to the city saying, hey, the church loves you. The church cares about your kids. The church cares about your family. That's, that's why we did that. And every one of you, whether you, you uh, gave toward that, donated gifts, you served that day, you served preparing and all of those things, you invited someone, brought someone, however you participated, you were a part of communicating that message. And that's a big deal. Jesus communicated two very important things at Easter, two powerful messages without words. We know what they are. They were the cross and the resurrection. These were two powerful messages that didn't even need words. The cross and the resurrection. The cross is what happened on Good Friday. We had Easter fun day to go out. We felt like, man, on Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified, he, he was giving himself for the world. So for all of us that were able to serve that day, we gave ourselves for our community. And it was a long day. A lot of hours, a lot of preparation, a lot of thought. And it was worth it because we were following the example of Jesus. We're giving ourselves for the community. Man, I'm tired. Let's keep going. People were here till midnight, a couple nights at least that week, preparing and donating and shopping and, and wrapping gifts. And we had almost 2,000 eggs that people had to put candy in each egg. Uh, if you were doing that, you know that's, that takes a while, right? It's like we had to... Uh, you know, like a little factory going on, passing eggs, put the candy, you know. But everyone seemed to have fun. It was a fun time. We were following the example of Jesus. The message he communicated through the cross, we all know. He was saying, hey, I love you this much. You didn't need words. For someone to say, I'm going to die for you, that says I love you. No, no one in here, we haven't had anyone else die for us. There's been no other God that has said, I'm going to come and die for my people. No one's done that other than Jesus. So on the cross, he communicated this powerful message saying, I love you this much. Leaving heaven and dying for you, he was saying, I value you. He was saying, every single one of you, you are worth something to me. You're worth my life. Every single one in this room, Jesus gave himself for you. Words aren't even necessary. We have a scripture that explains in John 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. But we really don't need to be told that. If someone dies for you, you know, man, they love you. And they love you more than anyone has ever loved you before. John 3.16, we see God illustrating that as well. Where, where it's said in that, that verse when John wrote this, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. No words were even necessary. God sending his son to die for us communicated everything we need to know. God loves us. God values you. God wants you to be near him. He wants to save you. He wants to know you. So why did Jesus have to die for us? I want to talk about this just for a moment and move to the resurrection. We know that why, why he had to die for us is because there was a punishment for sin. The punishment for sin is death. So someone had to die. It was either going to be you and me dying for our own sins, or God was going to have to provide another way. So Jesus was saying in that point, I'll take your place. Let me take your place. Every single one of us would have to have paid the price for our sin. We owed a debt 
Jesus was saying, let me take your place. I love you enough to die for you. You can be free from sins. You can be forgiven. And I think many of us in this room understand this idea of forgiveness, of, of this transfer that, that Jesus put himself in our place, freeing us from sin on the cross. And then in exchange, we give him our life by following him, following his example, learning to be like him, seeking to live like him, growing in our relationship, reading our Bible and, and praying so we can be more and more like Jesus. It's this transfer. Jesus gave his life for us, and we give him our life. We say, Jesus, you love me so much, and you saw so much value in me. I want to follow you and serve you the rest of my life. Many of us get this. We prayed this prayer, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you gave your life for me on the cross. And we've prayed that. And when you pray that, you receive forgiveness. Immediately, your sins are washed away. Just from praying this, Jesus, I know you came and died for my sins. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Savior, the Messiah. And we receive that gift immediately. The sins are gone. They're washed away. If you're here today and you haven't received that gift We'll have an opportunity later on at the end of service. But I think we often understand the meaning of the cross, but we miss one of the best parts, the meaning of the message of the resurrection. What does that mean? We get this. Jesus died for me. I need to pray, Jesus. I believe. I accept you. I want to follow you. But why did Jesus need to rise from the dead? One thing was, it proved he was who he said he was. And man, I was looking at some evidence of the resurrection this week. Can we put this slide up? I was just excited about this. It didn't even really completely fit what I wanted to talk about. But the evidence is so amazing. And the fact that the resurrection is so important, it changes everything. Like Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're hopeless. We should be pitied. Everything we're talking about is a joke. It's futile. It has no meaning, no purpose. But yet he did rise from the dead. It changes everything. And then when you look at the evidence, the empty tomb, all of us, it's, it's important enough whether you're here today and you say, I do believe this, you need to know the evidence. If you're here and you're still thinking about it and still looking at the evidence, here's some of it to look at. The tomb was empty. No one disputed that. Even in Jesus' days, they didn't dispute that. The Jews were even arguing that they recognized, okay, the tomb's empty. Maybe someone stole the body. Maybe the disciples hid the body. They, they agreed it was empty, so that's not something we have to figure out. Well, maybe Jesus was really there. No, they all agreed the tomb was empty. The women in Luke 24, I wanted to share this. Luke must have been one crazy guy to write what he did. In Luke 24, the women, you know, they went to the tomb first. They saw that Jesus was gone. They go running back to the disciples to tell them, Jesus is not there. We went. We were going to, we were going to take care of his body. There's no body there. The stone is rolled away. Everything, he's gone. They come back. And Luke wrote this, that they didn't, they didn't believe them because their words seemed to them like nonsense. That is a pretty brave guy. I was thinking, can I use this? Like next time Carrie's saying something to me, I'm like, it seems like nonsense to me. Luke 24, 15. It's, I'm just quoting from the Bible, Carrie. It seems like nonsense. No, Carrie never says nonsense to me. A Greek philosopher in the second century, he said this. He went even further. 
Christianity can't be true because the written accounts of the resurrection are based on the testimony of women. And we all know women are hysterical. And all the women in here said, I know he didn't. You know? I know Celsus didn't just say that. I can't even with Celsus. You know? What if, they, they, uh, we all know women are hysterical. This is what they're saying. And the thing is, that proves even more that the resurrection happened. Because if you had a group of guys that were like, hey, we're going to make this thing up. We're going to trick everyone. You know, Jesus didn't raise. Let's steal his body and let's just tell this story. They wouldn't have said women were witnesses to it. Women weren't respected. Like these guys said, they, they, it seemed like nonsense what they were saying. We all know they're hysterical. Mary Magdalene wouldn't have even been in the account if someone made it up. It didn't make sense back in those days. You wouldn't say, oh, a woman told me. Oh, well, it must be true. They wouldn't have said that. So the fact that we read in Scripture these women going and they are the first witnesses that Jesus has raised, that alone is proof that what they said is true. Then the linen left neatly in the tomb. The left linen. Grave robbers wouldn't have left that. They were robbing. They wouldn't have, let's take all this off. And not to mention that has all the spices on it to make the body smell good. They wouldn't have taken that off and taken away a corpse. They would have, and they wouldn't have, they were robbing too. They're going fast. They wouldn't, hey, fold the linen up. What are you doing? Fold that up. Oh, sorry. They wouldn't have done that. The disciples wouldn't have taken the linen off and laid it there, disgracing their friend Jesus, carrying out his naked body. Even the linen there it was proof. And, and when Peter saw it, he, it says he, he saw it and he thought about it. He saw the linen there. It made him think and he wondered, what? The linen's here. They didn't even get what was going on. Why? Because people didn't really raise from the dead. They had seen Jesus do that for Lazarus, but this wasn't like a normal thing. This wasn't, they knew that, that everyone would be resurrected from the dead one day, but this wasn't some normal thing. Even with Jesus telling them, they weren't certain that that's what had happened. They were confused. They were scared. They're trying to figure it out. But when Peter saw the linen, it says he wondered, what's happened here? Then the disciples, the daring disciples, they, something happened in their life. When we first read about them, when the women come to them, they are hiding out in a house scared to death. They're afraid. They're not out preaching the gospel. They're not telling anyone Jesus has risen. They don't think he has. They're hiding in the house, worried that they're going to be killed also. So what suddenly turned them into bold proclaimers of the resurrection? Because they knew it was true. The transformation of the disciples, man, that's proof. What got them out of the house? The women came, okay, well, we don't believe them. That's nonsense. They go and look for themselves. Some guys come back and say what guys normally say, yeah, she was right. Yeah. It's too early for that one. You know. She was right. He's gone. He, something's happened. And when they realized he's resurrected, suddenly they're not afraid anymore. They were bold. They went out preaching the gospel. How about this? that the disciples kept proclaiming it and, and weren't afraid. They had this transformation. They were, they were preaching this for decades. 
after hiding out in the house, they went out preaching the resurrection and, and over the decades being beaten and imprisoned and facing being killed, not one of them cracked under pressure? That's proof. You gather 11 of your friends and make up a story and start go telling everyone, and suddenly your friends start getting killed for it. Someone is going to say, yeah, we made it up. <laughs> you know? Look at scandals in the world. I, I was reading this week about one, one presidential scandal decades ago in the U.S., there were 12 men involved in that. Within like three weeks, someone had cracked. Okay, yeah, we did it. Three weeks. This is, this is up till now. But even in their lifetime, decades, no one cracked. Man, did you hear another one was martyred? Yeah, let's just keep going with it. No, that wouldn't happen. 12 guys. Maybe one of you in here could keep a secret really good. Maybe you've got a friend you really trust, but you gather 12 people. You're not holding that secret. Someone's caving. We're like, hey, we're going to put you on a cross. Yeah, I made it up. They didn't crack. They were bold. They were proclaiming this. They kept going. And then you've got the eyewitnesses. Over 500 people saw Jesus after the resurrection. The evidence is there. I mean, the crazy thing that there are millions of people in the world that are holding on to the faith that the resurrection didn't happen. That's the crazy faith. Man, I'm holding on. No, Jesus is dead. I'm holding on. There is no God. That's crazy. What we believe has proof, has evidence, and it is hard to dispute that evidence. And that's, the, that's just some of it. That's just some that I read this week, and I was like, man, this, this is good stuff. Because it's not good enough for us as Christians to just believe. I believe Jesus raised from the dead. Why do you believe? My pastor told me. It's good for every single one of you now when someone says, how can you believe that crazy thing? You say, how can you not believe? And you list some evidence. Research it yourself and have some more evidence. Look at this and this and this and this. I, I don't see how you can believe the crazy notion that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. We have evidence to prove, and that's just some of it. The second reason that Jesus had to raise to life was so he could defeat death. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He gave himself his own amen. It's like if I say something really good up here, amen. Just amen myself. I'm not even waiting on you guys. Amen. Jesus amen himself. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. He defeated death not just for himself, but for every single one of you. He took the keys. I like how one pastor said it. He said, Satan doesn't even have the keys to his own house anymore. <laughs> Imagine that. If I walk over to Melvin and take his keys... I can go in and out whenever I please. He can't do anything. Because Jesus has the authority. He took the power away from Satan. He came back with the key. Not only did he, did he die and resurrect, he brought the keys back with him. Yeah, I've been there. I've got the power now. He resurrected. He took the keys. He can unlock death for every single one of us. Philippians 3.10, Paul says that, that he wants to know him and the power of his resurrection. This is the thing I want to talk about. I think a lot of us Christians, we know him. 
But I think sometimes what we don't know is the power of the resurrection. We know Jesus, the Son of God. He died for me on Good Friday. On, on Easter, he raised from the grave. I know him. I've prayed it. I've, I've heard about him. In one decision, you can know Jesus. In one decision, your sins can be forgiven. You can be washed clean of guilt and shame. But we have to know the power of the resurrection. You don't want to miss this part. It's the power that no matter what you've done, no matter what it seems like you have ruined in your life, what you have wrecked, what you have messed up, you can have more than just forgiveness of sins. No matter what scars you may have in your life from your past, the resurrection power can, can raise you above that. Being a Christian is more than just being forgiven of our sins. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. That's it. Go through life. It's not enough. Any of you living like that, you know it's not enough. You may have been a Christian for 20 years, but you don't see anything going on in your life. You're like, man, I still get beat down by the same struggles, the same problems. I'm still not really doing anything for God. If something bad happens, I'm still afraid. I'm still hiding in the house. How did the disciples go out and start preaching the gospel? If something gets stressful, I'm still hiding in the house. That means you don't know the power of the resurrection, the power that, that changes our lives and transforms us. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20 says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. He has the power to help those who believe. In Luke chapter 7, verse 16, it talks about this boy that Jesus healed. He was the only son of his mother, and he had died. And the mothers, they're, they're bringing the body out, and Jesus walks up and touches the thing called the, the beer, not bintang, but the beer is like the stand that the body is on. He touches it and says, rise, and the boy comes back to life. It says, they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. That's what Easter is all about. God has come to help his people. He, has, he didn't just, just come to, to take our sins away. It's not good enough. He came to help us live. The resurrection power of Jesus is the power to help resurrect, revive, restore, rebuild, renew things in your life that seem to be ruined or even dead like this woman's son. Jesus can revive that with resurrection power. No matter what it is, you, have, you may feel like I've ruined everything. I can't overcome this situation. You may, you may feel like I don't know how to live after this. You may feel like everything is, is just over. This is it. It's finished. You feel like you've sinned too much. You feel like you've, you've rejected God. You've gone too far. You've been hurt too bad. Your marriage is too cold. Your kids are too bad. I, I can't, whatever it is, I can't, I can't do anything about it. But with the resurrection power of Jesus, all of those things can be raised and rebuilt and renewed. God promises that he has the power to do more than just forgive you. He has the power to help you live. 
Whatever that situation in your life and you're thinking, man, that thing is ruined. That is dead. I have no chance for doing this. God can't use me. I, I can't do anything. With the resurrection power of Jesus, all of that can be renewed. All of that can be fixed. He can raise your marriage. He can resurrect your broken relationships in your family. He can give you life that is beyond the hurt, the pain, and the scars. John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give you life in all its fullness. When we receive life from Jesus through the resurrection power, when we recognize, hey, knowing Christ is not enough. Paul said, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power. When you make a decision in your life and say, you know what? Just knowing Jesus is not enough. I want the power. Things will change in your life. You cannot be defeated. You cannot be destroyed. You're destined to live and live a life in all its fullness. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive. He lives so that we can have this kind of life. Jesus didn't die and resurrect from the dead so we can just live measly little lives that have no impact. And we're just as depressed and stressed and sad and worried as everyone else in the world who has no hope. Why in the world would Christians who can know resurrection power live like the rest of the world? We should be living like those disciples that went out of the house saying, hey, Jesus is alive and we're going to do something. And they changed the world. They had a message that they were taking out to the world. I want to read one last portion of scripture. Can I ask the worship team to come on up and then share just four quick points that we need to do? This is Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus first began his ministry, he went into the synagogue. He opened up the scroll and read from Isaiah 61. This is what he read. And after he read this, he said, he rolled the scroll back up. And he said, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus read, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Jesus came to save you, to heal you, to free you, to comfort you, to give you beauty where there was destruction and ruin, to give you joy where there was sadness and mourning, to give you a heart full of praise and rejoicing where there was doubt and depression and fear. He came so that ruined lives could be rebuilt. He came so that he could restore the things that have been broken, that he could revive the things that are dead. He came so that ruined lives can be rebuilt. Devastated people could be restored. 
That's what the power of the resurrection offers us. We understand what he was saying with the cross, I love you. But with the resurrection, he was saying, I'm giving you a new life and I want to see you really live. I want you to really live. Receive my power. Paul recognized that I want to know Jesus and I want to know the power that raised him from the dead. Here's four quick things we need to do based on Isaiah 61. Number one, believe the good news. He said, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. Believe in Jesus and what he's done for you. If you're here and you know Christ, you've got this part. I believe the good news. I, I believe he came to die for me. I believe he is the risen Savior. The second one, begin the journey. He said, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning. Start the relationship with Jesus. Start walking with him. Open yourself up and say, Jesus, I've still got these things going on in my life where I need your power to resurrect me. I need your power to revive and restore and rebuild these things in my life. Start that journey with him. If, if you're here for the first time and you don't have a church to call home, you can make this home. You can start that journey here. If you're new here, or maybe you've, you've even been here for, for a while and you're not in a life group, I encourage you, join a life group. That's where we encourage each other and strengthen each other to make this journey together. The third thing, believe that his eyes are on you. And when I say this, what I mean is stop thinking that God is talking about everyone else but you. Stop thinking that God can do this for everyone else but you. That all of this, this is great for someone else. I know he can do it for them, but you don't know how bad I've messed up. You don't know the things in my life that I need to be restored and recovered from. No, believe that Jesus' eyes are on you. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Stop doubting. Believe that just like Jesus' resurrection power could transform the cowardly, scared-to-death disciples in that room and turn them into heroes of the faith, believe that God's message is for you and his power is for you as well. God sees greatness in you. The last thing is this, begin living, really living. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Would you stand with me, please? I want you to have this power so you can allow God to rebuild things in your life, to restore things so that, that you don't have to continue just living a, a mediocre life just a life or like, I know God, I'm going to get to heaven. I want you to realize that, that Paul recognized that there's more to that. You can have more to your life. What message are you communicating to the world? What do they see in you? By your actions, by your words. Jesus took care of everything. Through the cross, he said, I love you. Through the resurrection, he said, I want you to live a new life. Can we close our eyes for a moment? I want to offer you two things as we pray this morning. The first one is, if you're here and you don't know Christ, 
That's the first part. I don't know Jesus. I want to pray for you so you can know him this morning. The second is if you know him, and I don't care how long you've known him, but you realize, you know what? I need his power in my life. There's things that I need to overcome. There's things that need to change. There's times where I'm still hiding in my room, where I need to be out there living. And you want that power. You can receive that this morning. The power to let go of shame and guilt. The power to be free from sin so that temptation does not rule your life. Jesus took the keys away. He has the authority. And he will put the power in your hands. The power of the resurrection. You can face whatever comes at you in this life and be raised above it. You can be raised because your Savior was raised. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, would you raise your hands? You say, you know what? I don't even know if I, I've got the first part yet. I want to know Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have my sins washed away. I want to get rid of this shame and guilt, this feeling of being so dirty. I, I want to know Jesus so he will make me clean again. If you're here and you've received that, but you're saying, you know what? I need his power. Would you raise your hands with us? I need the power of the resurrection in my life. I can't handle these things on my own. And I trust, I've seen the evidence, and I believe that Jesus is taking care of it. Father, you see the hands that are raised this morning. Lord, we're so excited that there's so much more to this life, and you want us to know it. You did provide for our salvation and our forgiveness, and, and you didn't stop there. You came back to life, offering us a life better than what we've known. You offered us a life and say, I want you to live and live life in all its fullness. Lord, we see how you transform the disciples and they transform the entire world. So Lord, this morning as we celebrate your resurrection, as we celebrate Easter morning, we just ask that you would give us this power, Lord, transform us today. Raise the dead back to life. Lord, we believe that you did not come to make bad people good, but you came to make dead people live. Make us live, Lord Jesus. Let us live a life that gives a message to this world that says our Savior is alive. We have joy. We have peace. We have overcome. We can raise above everything because our Savior was raised from the dead. Bless your people, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 